Hello and welcome to episode 9 of LUFC Fan Zone Podcast. I'm Sam Isles. And I'm Jack Ellis. In each episode, we'll be talking to a next Leeds United player or manager about their time at the club. We're delighted to announce that today's episode is sponsored by luxury watch brand and the official timing partner of Leeds United, Louis Irard. The company was founded in 1931 in Switzerland and they have been an official partner with Leeds for the last four years. As this season is Leeds United's centenary year, Louis Irad had created a limited edition watch to celebrate 100 years of Leeds United. This celebratory watch is limited to just 100 pieces, with every piece made precisely by hand. The watch uses the same automatic chronograph, found in brands such as Tagua and Breitling, and their limited centenary piece has a special dial made using fragments of the brick from the player's tunnel at Ellen Road, allowing you to wear a very unique piece of Leeds United history on your wrist. The watch is available on the official Leeds United website and the online club shop, as well as on Louis Arad's Instagram page, at Louis Arad Official, and their website, www.louisirad.com, along with the rest of their luxury watches. But back to the show. And this week's vote was between a former Italian player who played for Leeds United during the Massimo Cellino era and a player who won Leeds' as Goal of the Season award during their time at the club. All of our episodes can be found on our LUFC Fans on YouTube channel, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And last episode, we were with former goalkeeper Casper Ankergren, who spoke to us about Leeds' first ever season in League One, starting the campaign on minus 15 points, as well as getting relegated from the championship against Ipswich Town at Ellen Road, which saw hundreds of fans run to the pitch during the match and playing in the playoff final against Doncaster Rovers at Wembley. However, this week, we're joined by a former midfielder who played over 100 times for Leeds and captain the side during the 2013-14 season. The Jamaican international was renowned for his ambitious long shots, as well as his tough tackling in the centre of midfield, and he scored eight times for the club, with his best coming against Watford at Ellen Road in 2015, which saw him win Leeds' Goal of the Season award. This is Austin. Austin! Oh, what a goal! Quick fire strikes for Leeds United! It's the comeback on here. That's right. This week we're joined with former Legion United midfielder Rudolf Austin. Thank you so much for joining us, Rudy. Thank you for having me, man. No problem. It's great to have you on the show. And although you left Leeds over five years ago now, you're still playing football over in Denmark with Esberg. How are you finding your time there? Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy here and it's good to still play in the game and, and, I'm jo- and I'm enjoying it. So it's all about that, you know, at the moment. So it would be great if we could talk to you about your time at Leeds. And you joined the club in 2012 from SK Brann in Norway. When did you first hear of Leeds' interest and what did you know about the club before you ended up joining? Um, I, heard, uh, I heard about it a few months before it actually happened, you know, and I I was in touch with um Mr. Warnock, Neil Warnock and stuff and my agent told me a few things and and that certain things was, you know, in place or you know, Mr. Warnock always liked me as a player, so yeah, but I didn't I knew Leeds was a very big club in England but I I wasn't like following the English football throughout, you know, and, and all that. So when it happened in the summer, I was really, really happy to 
to become a lead player and I enjoy all my time there at the club. And whilst the transfer to Leeds was ongoing, there was a few rumours that Leeds and Brand had agreed a fee for you and all the details were sorted. However, there's also other rumours that the move may not have been possible because of work permit issues, something which had previously stopped you from playing in England a few seasons before when Stoke tried to sign you. Was that true and how frustrating was it that the FA laws had prevented you from playing in England earlier in your career? Well, it was very hard at the moment, but at the same time, you have to understand that people have rules and regulations and you have to respect them. And at that moment, you know, I just have to respect the situation that if it doesn't happen, then I have to live with it. If it happens, then I'm grateful and it did happen. So I was really, really happy about it. And could you remember why your move to Stoke wasn't possible, yet you were able to join Leeds? Yes, um, the situation in Stoke is it was because I was injured for two years, so um, I didn't get the chance to play the, the the required amount of games for the national team, you know. So that was a problem there. I didn't um, in the rules you have to play seventy to seventy five percentage of the games for the national team over two years period, and I was out long long time so I didn't play the game so and that criteria I didn't qualify. However you did eventually join Leeds at the start of the 2012-2013 season and at the time like you said Neil Warnock was Leeds manager and he was obviously a manager who really liked you as a player like you said because it was reported that he attempted to sign you for QPR when he was manager there a couple of seasons before you joined Leeds but how did you find him as a manager? Well, he was very old school, straightforward guy, you know, who would encourage you a lot and someone you would go out there and and give you all for on the pitch and, you know, you always, uh, that's how I see him and he's a father figure also, you know, he would sit and talk to you and I have nothing bad to say about him, but all positive stuff, you know, and, and I'm grateful for him to give me the opportunity to play in England. As well as your arrival at the club, it was Warnock's first transfer window at Leeds. And in the summer, 10 first-team players left Leeds, including Robert Snodgrass, who joined Norwich, and Adam Clayton, who went to Huddersfield. And there were 11 new arrivals, including yourself, meaning that the squad had completely changed from the previous season. As a player, how did you find joining Leeds when the squad had a new manager and all the players were very new who probably probably didn't know each other very well. Well, it was, I was, personally, I was very exciting to to, to, to join the, the squad and, you know, I know it it w- will take some time to to get to know the, the other players and it's hard to, to change um, 11, 12 players and, and then you put another 11 players joining the team and then you know you get things clicking right away so I knew it would take some time and it did and that's just how things happen in football sometimes. Yeah and one of the arrivals that window as well as you was former Liverpool forward Elhaj Juve who in England had a bit of a reputation before his move to Leeds but how was he at Thorpe Arch and 
was he as fiery as the media made him out to be, or was he a good player? No, to be honest, you know, um, I wasn't, you know, agreed with maybe the things he did on the pitches and stuff. But when I when I when I get to know him, he, it was a never it was never a dull moment around Eladju. He was always, <laughs> you know, laughing and he always make fun and it was just positive things to be honest, you know. So that's why sometimes you you can't really judge someone until you meet them. Leeds' first game that season was against Wolves, who had just been relegated from the Premier League. And you started that match to make your league debut for Leeds United. How did it feel to make your first championship appearance? And what can you remember about that 1-0 win? Well, it was a very, very... I remember everything. Like, it was a very intense game, you know, and the tempo was very high. Um, the atmosphere was buzzing, you know. Fans were really, really going at it and... You know, tackles flying end-to-end stuff, you know, at Ellen Road. And it was brilliant. I remember, um, I think, um, Sam Byram played in that game and he did very, very well as a as a very young player. So I remember all of it and it was really, really good. It was the perfect start to the season for Leeds and yourself and as well as Warnock, who was eyeing up his eighth promotion in his career that season. But was the aim at the start of the season to get promoted from the championship or did you kind of feel that was a step too far due to the large amounts of changes coming into that season? To be honest, we I, I didn't remember what was the aim, to be honest. But, you know, as I said before, you know, when you have a new team, it's hard to just um, go out and click. You need a bit of time. And I think... Um, as a player and as a club, you always, every season, you want to play to get promoted. If it doesn't happen, then you have to accept it. But if you're in good form and it and it's happening, then you have to go with the flow. But it didn't happen, and you know we we have to accept the fact that it didn't happen. Despite the winning start to the season, Leeds' form dropped, and the side won just four more times until the middle of November which saw Leeds fall to 18th in the Championship. What do you think was the reasoning for that poor start to the season? To be honest, um, I, I, I don't know what to say because everyone gave their all in training, everyone gave their all in the games, but sometimes things just don't work out on the field as a, as a team and, you know, and stuff like that. So it, it was hard to pinpoint anything, you know, to be honest. Yeah. And although Leeds' form wasn't the best, you scored your first championship goal in the away trip to Cardiff, which was a very long-range deflected flea kick in the 2-1 loss. What can you remember about that goal? <laughs> I remember um, Michael Tong was over the ball also. But he thought he was going to cross it and I just ran up and shoot and it went in. So <laughs> after the game, he said to me that he was surprised that I shoot because he thought he was going to cross it. So it was funny. And like you said, the, the goal must have been from about 25 yards out. And after that goal, you gained a reputation with the Leeds fans from shooting from long distances. 
which sometimes almost seen from an unthinkable distance from any other member of the squad. However, often them shots would result in a good effort and a good save from the goalkeeper. Did you find that long shots was a strong point of in your game or was it something that you encouraged to do by Warnock and sometimes even the Leeds fans who would shout shoot when you got on the ball, however far away you were? I've always, I, I, when I, from, I was young, I could always shoot the ball hard and from long distances. So sometimes I shoot and it don't go well, you know, and stuff like that. But I always like to shoot because I know I can. So, you know, sometimes if you have uh, some strength in something, then you have to do it. So in that, in that situation, all the time, I just try to shoot whenever I can. You know, if it goes good, it's good. But if you don't try, then you don't score. <laughs> and a perfect example of that was when Leeds played Tottenham in the fourth round of the League Cup at Ellen Road when you had the ball on the halfway line with just seconds of the match to go and right on the referee's whistle, you had a shot which went in. C- can you remember that? Yes, I remember. And I remember that um, some guys... Um, lost some money because of if we won three one they would have get a lot of money because on some betting stuff. So I remember it. <laughs> Do you think that would have been the best goal of your career? <laughs> hey, exactly. I wouldn't say, but you know, it was a uh, playing against a big team, you know, in the FA Cup because at that time we were playing Tottenham and um, Garrett Bale was at his best, you know. Um, you have Scott Parker, Dempsey. It was a very strong Tottenham team, you know, and we we beat them. So it was a very good game too. Maybe should have scored in, but the referee said we already won, so he just blew it. <laughs> <laughs> Your first season at Leeds saw the club finish 13th, which resulted in the departure of Neil Warnock and left the fans a little bit underwhelmed and with with the feel that Leeds should have finished in a higher position of the table instead of lumbering in the bottom half. Did you feel the same? Yes, when you have a club like Leeds and, you know, especially in the championship, um, the fan base and the history of the club, you know, nothing than the best is, um, is required. And if you don't get that at the end of the season, then it's always a disappointment, no matter what, you know. And... That's just so it is in football because it's very demanding playing for Leeds. And Neil Warnock's replacement for the following season was Brian McDermott and he assigned you as club captain at the start of the 2013-14 season, replacing Lee Peltier who had the armband for the previous season. How did that feel to become Leeds United club captain and how did you go about getting appointed? I am. When... when... Mr. McDermott came in, um, you know, and he, we did pre-season and stuff. I didn't know the situation with Pels because I'm very, I have good friendship with Pels, you know. So when um, the manager told me he wanted me to become captain, you know, I went to Pels and I asked him, you know. Firstly, I said, I don't know if I, I wanted to because at the end of the day, I because I was friends with Pels, I didn't know if I was overstepping, you know, and stuff. So yeah, I told him I would discuss it with Pels and stuff before because the manager insisted that, you know, he wanted me to become the captain. But I didn't know what 
talk him and Pels have because if Pels gonna move on or what. So I went to Pels and he said he has no problem with it. So I talked to other people and they said it it's a good thing and then the manager forced it and I said, Okay, it's no problem. Which I have no regret to be honest. Yeah. And for the first two games of that two thousand and thirteen season, uh, two thousand thirteen fourteen season you were suspended for the first two games because of a red card which carried over from the previous year. However, you walked out as Leeds United captain for the first time at Ellen Road in a one-all draw with Chef Wednesday. How did it feel walking out as a club captain for the first time and how did it differ from walking out as a normal player without the armband? Well, you know, um, playing for Leeds is always you know, a great moment playing on the pitch at Allen Road and, you know, to be a young guy from Jamaica, you know, from where I'm coming from as a little country youth, to, to have that moment, it was very special for me, you know. So, you know, it was a very special day and a very proud day for me and my family. What What did you feel like you had to change when you did become club captain? Um... Looking back, you feel more responsible and stuff, but at the same time, sometimes you try to be this perfect person, which is impossible, and you maybe think about a lot more than you you should, when you should just maybe concentrate on your game and do your best first and, you know, try to help the others, but, you know, you live and you learn. Leeds had a fairly good start to that season and at Christmas the club was sitting in the playoff places which was a huge improvement from the previous year. What do you think was the reasoning from the positive change in form from the previous campaign and how much was it down to the appointment of a new manager? Um, I wouldn't. I think, I think um, also we, the players that we the players know each other well also and we had a good start to the to the season, and you know, when you have a good start to the season, um, you you have that confidence and that belief, and you know, I think it was more up to that, and they buy into the manager um, um, ideas, and you know, it was going well. Yeah, but in, however, in January, results started to slip. And within the space of a week, Leeds had lost 2-0 to Leeds side Rochdale in the FA Cup and then 6-0 to Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough in the Championship, which not only saw Leeds drop out of the playoff places, but it was reported that you asked Brian McDermott to stand down from captaincy. What was the reasoning behind that? Because prior to that spell, Leeds were doing really well in the Championship. Um, the reason for that it was um I was bringing home the football to be honest, and I never did that before. You know, and to lose six nil against your rivalry, it was one of the worst days of my life. You know, so um I was bringing home the football and and um I went home after that game and my little son was. You know acting up in a little manner and I gave him a little slap on his on his leg and I and I said I can't be this person to be honest you know and then I went in and we had this discussion and 
you know, with the players and the manager and we, we find a solution and yeah, that's it. Do you think if Leeds wouldn't have lost 6-0 to Sheffield that you might have continued to keep the armband? Um, I, 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 to be honest, I am not um, in a situation where whether I'm the captain or not, you know, it, it doesn't affect me in, in any... I think it's overrated, not in a bad way, you know. I think, you know, you can pay a lot of emphasis to being captain or being that, you know. I think once you have a good team, that's what really matters. It doesn't matter who wears the, the armband or if you're a captain. It doesn't change much, in my opinion. And the captaincy wasn't the only change in Leeds that January. Although striker Ross McCormack was handed the armband, Leeds had also been taken over by Italian Massimo Cellino, who purchased the club from GFH Capital. And it was reported that the deal was completed on deadline day, January 2014, one day before Leeds faced Huddersfield Town Ellen Road. And the day is known to many Leeds fans as Mad Friday because of what happened at the club in that space of 24 hours before the match, with Cellino reportedly sacking, then reinstating Brian McDermott in his first day as owner. What what can you remember about that day and what impact did Cellino have? Oh, I only remember... Um... We got some messages and stuff about the situation, and then I think um, a lot of people got fired, and you know, a lot of things was going on, and no, 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 no one knew what was really going on. So it was a, it was a, a lot of you know things, and sometimes you you heard this, sometimes you heard that, you know. But when we eventually went back to training and. I heard um, Izzy, who, who she's the cook and stuff, she was not there anymore and stuff. A lot of people who have been at the club for a long time then. The players were um, a bit disappointed in that regard because you have traditional people in the club who has worked so long, who has given their all to the club to just get up and lose their jobs like that which is their livelihood. So in those things, um, in those situations, um, I think all the players were very disappointed because you look up to these people and you want to see these people still have their jobs and still have their livelihood. Absolutely. And the following day, it was reported that Gianluca Festa was going to take charge of the club in McDermott's absence. However, it was assistant manager Nigel Gibbs who took charge in the dugout with McDermott not in the stadium, despite Leeds going back on their word and stating that he was still the club manager. What was your understanding of that whole situation? How confusing was it that I presume that the squad had no certainty who was going to make the team for that match with nobody knowing who was manager? Um, It was very, as I said before, it was very confusing, you know, but... um... Nigel has been a, always a very good, humble, hard-working guy, you know, very good assistant and a loyal guy also. So, you know, the players the players have a lot of respect for him and, you know, I think it was what, who we were playing, Othersfield? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was against Othersfield and, you know, we all wanted to go out there and, and, and do our best for... For, for Mr. McDermott and um, what happened after 
you know, we went and the game started and I I think we were down one nil. Yeah. Yeah. And then Russ Russ scored right at half time and we went in and we had a discussion and everyone was fired up because it's a derby also and I guess no one happy with the situation or with how Brian was treated. So we came out and, you know, we have to play for the fans also, our pride and second half was a a, a crazy game, you know. It was one of the most excited and hard working game I played in Ellen Road and I I remember the it like yesterday I I think after Ross score is a trick because he scored a trick in that game if I'm right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think after he scored third goal I could feel the stadium, the pitch shaking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it I think we won five one that day. So it was a very good, you know game. Yeah. And like you said, although Leeds did win that match the form from then on declined dramatically, winning just five matches from February until the end of the season, including a 5-1 loss to Bolton at Ellen Road, which was one of 10 losses in the final 17 matches. What do you think was the reasoning for the declining form? And do you think it had anything to do with the introduction of Massimo Cellino? Because when he arrived, there was a lot of off-the-pitch distractions and it was a part of the the players weren't getting paid on time and things like that. Um, I think um in any organization, if 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 the the if you have confusion and you know, no one knows what's going on and and you don't have uh, everyone on the same page, then it's gonna be difficult for everyone, you know. And if you have players who have mortgages and have their family to take care of and things like these happening and you know people think about it and sometimes you can get distracted also so a lot of things was going on and maybe that that's what you know affected us and as soon as Chilino came to Leeds he attempted to immediately cut costs at the club and specifically around Far Parch and the facilities that were there was that evident to see as a player it is not only as a player. Everyone could could maybe see what's going on, and you know, as I said before in my early answer, that you know, as a player you accept certain things, but you know, when you see traditional people in the club losing their jobs and they have been told um, you're not welcome anymore and stuff, you know, when they have given. 13, 15 years at the club, you know, that's what they get up and do every day and you just take it away from them, then, you know, not only the players going to feel bad, you know, you have the fans going to hear about it and they're going to feel bad also. So it was a lot, but um, gratefully, the club is in a very good place now and, you know, that's the past and I would rather to talk about... um, you know, I don't want to go back in those situations because the club is in a very good place at the moment, which it deserves to be in. And at the end of that season, it was the first transfer window since Massimo Cellino took over the club and he began transforming Leeds and he started by sacking Brian McDermott and appointing David Hockaday, who, before his move to Leeds, was 
relatively unheard of and had never managed in the Football League. How did his managerial style differ from McDermott's and was it clear to see that he hadn't had any high-level managerial experience? Not really, you know. To be honest, he, he wanted to play football, you know. He wanted to play football, but I guess there's a situation maybe, you know, because he didn't manage at an higher level, maybe some people didn't respect him, you know, because you could see before he was appointed, there was a lot of things in the media and stuff, you know. So, But for me personally, I'd never have a problem with, with the manager I play. I think as a player, you have a responsibility to go out there and try your best, you know. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be affected by if you like a manager or not. But um I think when he came in he wanted to play football. He wanted to start from the back and build up and us to keep the ball and stuff. But I guess it didn't work out. But he wanted to play football. He was always positive in playing good football. And as well as Hockaday's arrival that summer, Leeds brought in 11 new players, with the majority of them coming from Italy. How did you think the players settled in with the squad, and how did they compare with the rest of the team in training? Yeah, it was yeah, it's normal for a lot of players coming, but you know, um, um, a lot from Italy was, you know, it's an Italian owner. So maybe he wanted his twist on the team or he wanted his um, own type of players and you have to respect that. But yeah, it was some quality players also, you know. But, you know, they stick together and you could feel like they were sticking together and the other players were sticking together. And, you know, eventually over, over time, everyone came together and, you know, and start to to get some results and stuff and it was okay after a while I think and as well as the Italian arrivals Leeds' pre-season was also in Italy and the side was scheduled to play two fixtures against what can only be described as very low opposition in the first match and Hockaday's first match in charge Leeds won 16-0 which seemingly made the second opponents fail to turn up for the second match and Leeds were forced to play themselves because of the failure of the other team to arrive. What was that pre-season like? Because it was obvious that the opponents weren't of a standard to play Leeds. And do you think this might have suggested that Salino was unaware to how good the championship was? Um, I didn't know. I, I I don't know if he he was unaware or, or what, to be honest. But I knew we were working very hard in the pre-season and, and you know, every player was really giving it their hundred but um the team we played wasn't the best, you know, and we beat them as I said sixteen years. So I don't know if he was aware of how tough the championship were, but you know, it's I can't say nothing more if he was aware, to be honest. Leeds' first match of that season was a two nil away defeat to Millwall and the side's front two strikers consisted of Nicky Jose and Noel Hunt after Ross McCormack's departure to Fulham just before the start of the season. After that match, which was the first competitive fixture since all the new changes at Leeds, how did you feel that the side would cope that season in the Championship? 
Well, after after you lose your maybe your best player, your striker who have scored what 30, 32 goals the season before. Yeah. Something like that. After you lose him right in before the season start, then you know if you don't have a a replacement there and then then it's gonna be difficult because goal win matches. So if you're not getting that, then you know and maybe maybe the squad maybe feel morally depleted when something like that happens so i don't know and although leeds won the next match against middlesbrough ellen road they lost to brighton and then bradford city in the fa cup which resulted in chileno sacking hockaday after just four championship matches in charge do you think that it was the right decision to replace Hockaday after such a short space of time? Because he didn't really get the chance to get his side playing the way that he'd want to. As I said before, he's, he's the owner, you know, decision. I don't know what he thinks and how he thinks and his views and stuff. You know, he made his decision and, you know, but in the world of football now, no one is really patient anymore and no one really gets chances to turn things around and stuff. So only Mr. Selena can, can um, you know, come and answer these questions. And Hockaday's replacement was Slovenian Darko Milanic, who was your fifth manager at the club in just over two seasons. How was that as a player to be consistently changing managers and how beneficial do you think that it would have been to maybe had one head coach that could have stayed for a couple of seasons rather than just a couple of months? Well, it's never um, a nice situation to have many managers managers um, um, every six months, every three months or every year, you know, because for something good to um for you to build something good it maybe takes some time you know and you're gonna go through bad times you're gonna go through good times until you find a balance you know and as i said sadly nowadays in football managers don't get the get the the chance to to redeem themselves you know and it's you know it's 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 sad in my opinion like hockaday Darko Milanic only lasted at the club for a very short period of time and became Leeds' shortest ever serving manager after departing just after 32 days. And his replacement, Neil Redfern, who had worked in the club's youth system, was his replacement. And when he arrived, Neil Redfern, Leeds' results seemingly picked up and as well as that, the team selection changed also with, with youth being more prominent within the team and less so could be said about the Italian players who weren't featuring as much and when he took over Leeds were almost in the relegation places so how important was it that some drastic changes were needed as at one point it was a very possible option that Leeds could have been relegated that season yes um, but you know Redders has been at the club for a good while and he he knew the club and he he knew the, the system you know and he knew he had some good young players there and you know, it was a very good opportunity for them and he, he knew football, he knows football and, you know, he pick a team, maybe the guys who he, he, he think will help the club to, to stay up and stuff and I think he did a, a very good job, you know, and 
and and kudos to him for that. Absolutely. And after continuing to feature for Leeds despite the changes that season, it was rumoured in the January transfer window that you were subject to interest from fellow championship side at the time, Wigan Athletic. However, Leeds released a statement on their official website stating that you weren't for sale, which was quite a, a strange thing to do from a club usually as they don't comment on transfer speculation and especially when it's about one of their own players leaving the club. Were you aware that Leeds posted this statement that you were not for sale and also were you ever close to leaving the club in that transfer window yes um to be honest um i was close because it was i was six months um left on my contract you know not close personally like to leave but i knew i knew wigan were very interested it's just for me to make the decision and said um you know it was just for me to go up to Redders and say, hey, I'm going to leave, you know. But I sat down and I looked in the whole situation. I was two and a half years at the club, you know, and I loved playing for Leeds. And when I look at the table, I saw us, we were maybe three or four points ahead of Wigan. Wigan were in the relegation zone. And and I and I just think to myself, I am not gonna go and fight relegation for another club. You know, I'm already here at Leeds, and I will try my best to help them to stay up. And I just said, I don't know what's gonna happen at the end of the season, but I'm staying and I'm gonna help the club. And I went to Redders and we talk about it, and that's what um, we suggest that I'm gonna stay. I'm not gonna leave. You know. And despite the rumours, you stayed at Leeds and continued to play almost every match. And in February, Watford travelled to Ellen Road. Despite Leeds losing the match 3-2, you put Leeds 2-0 up with a fantastic volley in the first half, which eventually won Leeds' goal of the season. What can you remember about that volley? Yeah, I just remember um, we played a long ball and someone maybe... Um, I think they had it out or they tried to clear it but it wasn't a good clearance and came and I took it on my chest and I just shoot you know and, I, and it went in the goal so it was very it was a, a very nice goal you know very good goal I remember it what was it like to pick up the goal of the season award at the end for that strike it was very um, very nice to be honest, because it has been a lot of goals throughout the season to be the the one who got the um, the the best goal. It's it's always a nice feeling of you know getting something like that. At the end of that season, Leeds won just one of their final eight matches, and the penultimate away match of that season was a trip to Charlton Athletic. And to this day, the match is surrounded in controversy. Because although it was Leeds' fifth loss in a row, it's more remembered for the absence of some of Leeds' players. Would you be able to describe what happened in the couple of days leading up to that match and what happened at Thor Park in training regarding Leeds' six injured players? Um, well, I remember it, but um, at the end of the day, if someone said they are injured, then what can you do, <laughs> you know? You can't do nothing much. If you're not injured, you're going to make yourself available to play. And, and the players that weren't injured, 
um, they made themselves available and we went to, to, to Charlton and we did, even though we lost that game, I think we did a, a very good, you know, job with what we had. And many people believe it might have been a protest from the Italian players towards head coach Neil Redfern rather than them genuinely being injured. Do you think that that was the case or do you think they were genuinely injured? I don't know. To me, to be honest, um, you have to look in the mirror as a person. If you're injured and you, if you said you're injured and you're not injured and you can look yourself in the mirror, then fair play to you. But if you you said you're injured and you're not, then you should go and play. But, you know, I can't answer for the for the guys who had made the decisions that they are injured, you know, so... They have to to live with their conscience. Leeds finished fifteenth that season, and although your contract was set to expire at the end of the campaign, you did play a large chunk of that season. Did you expect to be offered a new deal for the following year? Um, couple um couple months prior to that, um, I met with the um, the owner, Mister Celine, and you know, and you know, as I said, he wanted to cut cost and everything and you know he offered me one year because I w- I'm going to be 30 and he said that's the rule in Italy and stuff they only offer one year when you're over 30 so I told him that I would like maybe um, at least two and then I didn't hear back from him so you know I just I didn't went back to him or say anything to my agent I just let the the river take its course. How did that make you feel, knowing that you weren't going to play for Leeds United again? Yeah, in life you have to respect people's decision, and I've always respect people's decision, and I, especially, you know, he's the owner for the club, and, you know, there's nothing I can do in that situation. So, you know, you have to just live with um, a decision like that. You respect people's decision, um and I just know that you know, if it if they offer me the new deal, I will take it gladly, you know. But if it doesn't come, then life goes on, you know. I am a man, and I have to just think like like that. And although you were no longer with the club, you were still captain of the Jamaica national team. And just one month after your release from Leeds, you played in the 2015 Copa America in Chile, where Jamaica were in the same group as Argentina, which included a certain Lionel Messi. And although Jamaica didn't make it past the group stage, how was it playing in that tournament and playing up against one of the best players in the world? Yeah, it was a dream come true, you know, um, for for many players in that national team to even play against Messi and Argentina because they had a great squad. We played um, Uruguay also and... Paraguay so it was three games and it was against three very good teams with very good players and you know it was a very good experience for us we lost three the, the three games one nil so I think we gave a good account of ourselves but the the, the big game was um, Argentina and, and we did very well in that game we lost one nil, and trust me, we you feel you feel proud after you know because you know people said we were gonna get ten and twelve and stuff you know and stuff. so after that you know 
you know, you you start to believe like you know the country football is is really maybe evolving, and that's what you want to see. Following that tournament, you were still without a club. However, it was reported that Sheffield Wednesday wanted to take you to Hillsborough for the 2015-16 season. However, like earlier in your career, the move wasn't possible because of the struggle with a work permit. How close was that move to happening and how frustrating was it that the move wasn't possible and that you weren't allowed to continue playing in England? Well, um, um, after the Copa, we... we, we, we um, we went to the Gold Cup and we went to the finals. And after that, my agent called me and said, Sheffield, when they wanted to sign me. And I flew back from America to London and I was on my way up to, to sign. And then I got a call that I can't get my work permit, you know, because they changed the rules and stuff. So it was hard to take both for me and my family. My wife loved England. My son was born there, and you know I love England also because I have some families there and stuff also. But in life, things happen that you have no control of the over, and you have to accept, you know, certain things. And it's not my place. People made their rules, and you have to live with it. Simple. Yeah. And- because of the rules, you eventually signed a contract for Danish side Bromby, who play in Denmark like your current side, Esberg. But have you had a chance to visit Ellen Road since you left in 2015? No, I haven't. And one day I will visit, you know, and, and stuff and watch. Hopefully, when you play Man U and beat them Trina this season in the Prem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great answer. This second section of the show is sponsored by the Harrogate CBD Company. Harrogate CBD Company are a local business run by Leeds United fans and they're on a mission to help people sleep better and relax. They source the finest CBD products so you don't need to look any further when struggling for anxiety relief or a helping hand when struggling to sleep. Research has shown that CBD can help refresh your mindset and increase your focus to reduce anxiety and their oils contain pure hemp, organic ingredients and less than 0.2% THC content. If you want to find out more about their products, visit them on www.hgcbd.co.uk or on Instagram at Harrogate underscore CBD and add the discount code LUFC to receive 5% off all their sprays and oils. They've also begun shipping their products worldwide as well as the UK and now offer delivery to 72 different countries to go and check them out. In this section... Our followers get to ask their questions to our guests by commenting on our LUFC Fan Zone Instagram post. Each episode, we select four questions which are commented and put them forward to our guest. Our first question comes from Ollie, who asks... Hi Rudy, who was your idol growing up? I think the most Dominicans love um, um, John Bonds because uh, he was a Jamaican-born player playing for a big club in England and stuff, so you have him. But locally, um, it was a guy from my community, so, yeah, when I was younger. But 
the bigger I became, I just like to watch good football as an old. Our second question comes from James, who asks. All right, Rudy. My question is, during your time at Leeds, you played under six managers. Which did you prefer and why? I, it's hard to say because um, you know, n- no one really have that get that um, long-term um, opportunity for you to really learn um, throughout the, 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 the way they want to, to play it and you know, no one was there really long term, and I am not a. As I said before in the, in the in the, the interview, I don't really get too caught up with um, managers, this manager, that manager playing for. I I respect every manager, and if they come in, they want to play this way, then that's what he wants, and I will try my best. But I don't really get caught up in it. But I respect all of them and I learned from all of them the good and the bad next up is Sean who asks who was the best player you played with during your three years at Leeds you have good players there you know you have a lot of there in in, um, Sam Byram um, Ross McCormack you know those three stood out, especially um, Sam and Russ. You know they stood out because they 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 left the club, so that means they have done well. So yeah, I, I would say, but and performance-wise and what they did to, to left the club, I would say you know. But you also had a lot of youth who have a very good career also there, so. But all the players were good players. And lastly is Bill, who asks... Hi, Rudy. My question is, what is your best moment in a lead shirt? Um, my favourite moment? Well, it wasn't really one, to be honest. Every chance I get to put on the shirt was a, was a, a brilliant moment for me. And every time I get the chance to, to walk out and play for the fans... I know sometimes it may not go well, sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's good, you know, but every moment, it's a big club and as a player, you have to be grateful to, to wear the shirt. It's a it's a big traditional club with a big history and, you know, yeah, every moment was, was, was good for me, whether good or bad, you know, you have to enjoy good and bad times. And that ends today's episode. Thank you to everyone for sending in their questions and thank you so much for your time, Rudy. No problem, man. You're welcome and have a great day. We'll be back in two weeks with our next guest, but who will you choose? Stay tuned for the upcoming vote on our LEFC Fanzone Instagram story later this week. Thanks for listening.